Good evening. Always a pleasure to share your company. Welcome back to the Gallery of Curiosities. I remain, as always, your humble host, Osgood. I'm afraid I'm in a bit of a mood this evening. Something, or more likely some Juan, got past my security system and into the cellar. That's where Andrew practices his funga culture. I would say that it was rats. However, considering the lingering scent of juicy fruit and spray paint on the air, I'm fairly certain the bony finger can be pointed squarely at some of our less savory neighborhood punks. They took the entire mushroom harvest. But what truly stokes my ire, dear listeners, is these hooligans trampled all over my beloved saprophytic orchid, which was literally on the verge of blooming. In complete darkness, I might add. Well, the joke is on them. I'm not certain exactly what Andrew's fruitings do when ingested, but... <laughs> It should be an interesting week on the police blotter. But what, I hear you ask, does all this have to do with the Pied Piper, other than my distaste for children? It's merely my miserable attempt at a charming yet somehow belabored segue into this evening's exhibit, which comes to us by way of Ms. Rachel Ayers who lives in Alaska, where she daydreams, stares at mountains, and writes and hosts shows for Sweet Cheeks Cabaret. She is a regular contributor at Tor.com, and her fiction has recently appeared in Metaphorosis and Lady Churchill's Rosebud Wristlet. She shares speculative poetry, flash fiction, and cat pictures at patreon.com slash richlairs. It will be read for us by Ms. Sarah Golding. Changelings by Rachel Ayres The thing you must understand about Hamlin was that we did it on purpose. They weren't really our children. They weren't children anymore. The Chandler's daughter was the first. She went from red-cheeked cherub to a sickly, angry thing. Her skin slipped as seawater, her eyes always watching every movement in the room. I stopped to buy candles, and the girl held me in a cold gaze. Her mother was fretful, worried, though she did not speak of the change in the child. The blacksmith's apprentice, the oldest to change, went sullen and cold as steel, though he would still smile a cruel slash of his pale lips at someone stumbling in the street or, or an animal in pain. 
The miller's daughter, a lass who had always been as sweet as caramel and had often saved leftover rolls or sticky buns for Kala, became a greedy, sneering thing. Always snuffling for scraps and crumbs, always eating, though she only grew thin and colourless. One by one, their voices still, their eyes turned dull, their skin lost its glow. The children, all of them, stopped running in the streets, and then they stopped their silly games, they stopped their crying, and they stopped their laughter. I've heard it said that changelings are switched out for the real children, but I can tell you, it isn't so. My own little girl, she, she had died the year before. I found the rat in her bed, huge with grey, sharp teeth, and chased it away, but... She had been bitten around the tender flesh on her arms and legs. The marks had turned into a, a malevolent crimson, though I tried to care for her. The next day, I could not wake her. I had wished with all my being for the other mothers to understand me. I saw them shake their heads, even heard them muttering that perhaps it was better this way. Oh, grief and fury raged for dominance inside of me. I would have kept her, my sweet colour, even if she had grown silent and solemn as the others. Oh, surely I was not the only mother who felt that way. I would have made any bargain to bring her back, but... That, that was not the bargain I was offered. I thought at least the other mother's sympathy could bring me some solace. When the village council met, I went and lingered in the shadows listening to men discuss what was to be done with the children who had taken to creeping round their homes, gnawing back at the rats, and watching their parents with eerie, dark eyes. One man brought his wife forward and made her show her hand, which was scabby and seeping blood. Our son did this, he proclaimed. The boy bit her over and over. The woman was pale and tearless, her eyes too big in her shocky face. She wrapped her hand again quickly. The men argued for hours until the sun slanted through the low window and washed the room in scarlet. The other women sat silent as their children and did not put me out of their huddle. The fae creature stood suddenly in the centre of the room, his motley grotesquely bright, all blues and golds and oranges. This time 
I had not seen him come in. From the stirring and muttering in the room, I realized no one had. He bowed all around, sweeping his dappled cloak in an elegant, courtly gesture. Gentle lords and good ladies, he said in a honey, gentle voice. I understand that you are having great difficulties in these dark winter days. My heart grew cold in my breast and the ice of it seeped through my veins. I have a solution for such a conundrum if you will but pay the price. He turned, turned, turned as he spoke and on this last word his eyes crossed mine. There was something of laughter there, dark amusement in the midst of our woes. What is your meaning? came a startled voice. It was the mother with her bleeding hand now wrapped in cloth that had once been white. Can you cure the children? Or speak plain, sir? He bowed again to her. I have not the cure, he said. There is no cure for this ill. I can but draw them away and leave you free to start again. A cry from another shadowy corner from the women hovering around the frigid edges of the room. There is no starting again. The men haggled with the stranger. They argued over the price. The mothers wept, but I crept away from them. Now they squeezed my hands or patted my shoulder, full of the sympathy for which I had traded their children. I could not bear it. I returned to my small room where my bastard daughter and I had lived and laughed until she had been taken from me. I went to the little corner where I still kept my daughter's things and found a... A dead rat in her cradle, stiff and mangy. Oh, I did not know how long it had been there. I burned all of her things then. In my tiny hearth, the wooden horse and the rag doll and the too tiny dress I'd sewn for her. It was still burning when... The music began. The motley man piped all the pests away. Children and rats and even the fleas carving a hollow space with the sound he made. The streets rang with a deeper emptiness when he'd taken them. Now, oh, now, they looked at me with the sympathy I had wanted. The other mothers, the other not mothers, and I looked at them the same. They came to believe that Kala had gone with the rest of the children, and I let them. The villagers told the story 
for years and it spread to other places until until it was a fairy tale told a hundred different ways but all wrong they said the rats came first they said the children were payment but the thing you have to understand about Hamlin was that I did it on purpose. When the motley man had offered me a chance to be comforted, I had grabbed at the opportunity without question. I saw him once more, much later on the hillside overlooking the river. He was colourless, his clothing all black and white, stark against the green, bright grass. What did you do with them? I asked him. How do you think a creature like myself is made? He asked me. That wasn't what I wanted, I told him. Though even then, even knowing I could not say I would have done any different. I kept our bargain, he said. And smiled at me with grave, sharp teeth. In the year 1384, an unnamed clerk wrote a singular entry into the records of the town of Hamlin. It has been 100 years since our children left. On the stones of the town gate is the dedication. In the year 1556, 272 years after the magician stole 130 children from the city, this gate was founded. And even later, a mayor of Hamlin had the stonemasons chiseled into the facade of his house. In the year of 1284, on the day of John and Paul, 130 children born in Hamlin were misled by a piper clothed in many colors, led to cavalry near the Coppin Hill, and lost. Sadly, for posterity, no one thought to record the reason why the children left, only that they were led. It was not over a plague of rats, no, no, no. That part of the story does not appear until the mid-16th century. Let that be a stern lesson in keeping better records. This evening's reader was Miss Sarah Golding, who has created a huge range of character types for indie audio dramas, and been in such wondrous podcasts as The Amelia Project, Edict Zero, and Hostile Worlds.
She is up to her eyebrows in all things audio drama with her company, Quirky Voices, producing, hosting, and performing new writing at podcast events. Find her online at quirkyvoices.weebly.com. Hmm. Here comes the chorus. Do you know what that means? Yes, they're saying that you should be on your way. Do take care and come visit next time at the Gallery of Curiosities. Gallery of Curiosities is produced under a Creative Commons International 4.0 non-commercial attribution no derivatives license. Story copyrights remain with the authors. Our theme song is Ashes Ashes by Deus Ex Vapora Machina. This episode was produced in August of 2022. For full show notes, visit us online at gallerycurious.com. I have to speak to Andrew about those mushrooms. Perhaps microdosing could help me with my anxiety. Or perhaps I'll just hire better editors. <laughs>